This is Thursday, July 14th. The book of Psalms has been the worship and prayer book of Christians since the very beginning. And among those, among those 150 songs, seven of them are called confessional psalms. That's a pretty easy number to remember. Now, the first four of these were written by King David. Only one of us actually tells the specific sin connected to his confession. We can learn a lot overhearing his confession because he reveals in those songs the process and the experience in coming to God and repentance and confession. And that's what we're learning about this week. These psalms help us to understand the way grace works under pressure. There's something of a pattern in these psalms, but there's nothing of what I would call is a recipe. There's no set way to come before God. And each of us has a unique relationship with God. But I think there is a lot that we share in, in common. Now here are the opening words of the first of these psalms. Psalm 6, verse 1 to 4. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn and answer and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Now here's where David begins sharing the burden of his sin. First, he feels the rebuke of God. Sadly, sin puts us at odds with the God who loves us. There's a rift. There's a chasm between us. Do you know there's a deep suffering that comes with our sin? It really is a sort of misery. David speaks of suffering as agony, physical pain, and this agony goes all the way to the bone. That's another way they used to talk about their soul. He knows his sin. It's crushing for him. Now, we may not see the suffering and misery that comes when we sin. We might try to deny it or minimize it, but it's there. First, there are the spiritual aspects that are already mentioned. During COVID-19, I suffered the loss of a friend, and this was immensely painful and heartbreaking. A friend once there and then gone. I think this is what David is experiencing, but to an even greater degree. You see, David knew the sweet companionship of the Lord as his friend, and then he cut God off. He betrayed the God that loved him. David says he is faint. It's like a sickness. He's afraid for his life. It sounds like the oxygen has been cut off. Now with spiritual aspects, he's, he's afraid for his life. How many of us have had sleepless night because of distress? Distress over something we have done. Or perhaps it was just a word spoken in anger. Our sins have physical consequences. Now, I don't always think you can draw a straight line to these consequences, but the results are there. And third, I think there are psychological consequences. David says that his soul is in deep anguish. This is a way to speak of despair. He is at the brink because he knows, well, he cannot do life without God. In short, he cannot live this way much longer. This is why David cries out, How long, Lord? How long? 
One of the great Puritan authors that I love, his name is John Owen. He wrote simply this, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. He says, yes, we should be dealing with the sin in our lives because it's destroying us. You see, he doesn't speak of sin as little weeds that spring up in our garden that must be weeded out. He says our sins are like a giant forest. It's filled with dense undergrowth, thick brush. It's not that we have one or two sins that have sprouted. We have a whole forest of sin. Perhaps the big sins, like David's sins against Bathsheba, get all the attention. But there is so much more going on. The big sins show us how deep the problem lies and how pervasive sin is for us. Perhaps we do the, the work to confess the big sins, but that undergrowth continues to take over our lives unless we take our sin promise problem seriously. And that was Owen's point. With the help of the Spirit of, the God, of God, the ground has to be made cleared the underbrush torn out and discarded. He said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. I want to get back to David. Dave, because he tells us how sin is cleared out. His call is for God to deliver him. Why? He knows he cannot deliver himself. He knows this because in our sin, our minds play trick on us, telling us we're okay when we're not. Self-deception can be deep. We can repress our awareness of our sin or simply deny it. We tell ourselves that we can stop whenever we want or we have power over it. Or we rationalize what we're doing. Maybe we use delaying tactics, telling ourselves, well, we'll deal with it, but not today. If we think we can save ourselves, the truth is we don't know how sick we really are. We don't know how dark our hearts actually are and how deep our sins go. You see, only God can root it out and remove it. A feature of these confessional psalms is a crying out to God to do what we cannot do ourselves. I like what Andrew Peterson says. He says, I'm tangled up in contradictions. I'm strangled by my own two hands. I am hunted by a thousand hounds of addiction. Hosanna, he said. That word Hosanna means, save me now, Lord. And that's David's cry. Then there are the final words of this section. Save me because of your unfailing love. You see, David doesn't tell the Lord that he deserves to be saved. He rests in the unconditional and unfailing love of God. That's what grace is. This is why God saves. Not because any of us are worthy, but because God is good and, and God is loving. He loves human beings, the ones he made in his image. And this is why Jesus came and what Jesus came to do. For God so loved the world. So let's rest in that today and join with the heart cry, Hosanna, Lord, save me. Let's cry out to God for his grace. Pray with me, please. Save us, Lord. We cannot save ourselves. Show your mighty power through your saving love. In the name of Jesus, amen.